Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Sleeping with a Dumbbell. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode 4 of 14. So back to your funky wedding. There you are with 62 in attendance at your wedding, all having soul ties with one another. Remember, God said the two will become one flesh. You don't think that that is going to bring a world of issues into your life and future marriage? Another way to look at this is to think that you are spiritually and solely connected to all of those people and the people they slept with that are not present at your wedding. It may have been out of a flight of loneliness, peer pressure, or a night of drunken debauchery, but how it happened isn't your problem. Remember, sin is the best part. It's the curse that is determined and assigned to you because you did that. That's the problem. You have heard it stated or have stated it yourself that it is the consequences of your actions when something bad happens. Not so cool to lose your virginity to a total loser who at that time his or her whole goal in life is or was to rob you of the treasure that belongs to your one and only, your future one and only. Kids and youngins, when you become an adult and get married, you will wish with everything in you that you had waited for your wedding day. Once you realize the cost of your premarital indiscretions, just ask your parents. If they say otherwise, then we know the circles that they run in. Ask a humble Christian adult, and hopefully they can be straight with you, if in the event they were wartime collateral damage in the fight to hold on to their virginity. What? Isaac used no trickery, no horoscope traps? They had no church service or hours upon hours of wedding preparations which in some cases these days end the almost married marriage before it can ever get off the ground. Nope, none of these embellishments. Here is a kicker. They stayed married their whole lives in less than desirable circumstances. No retirement, health benefits, cars, houses, swimming pool. They just had a Coleman tent and God and were made wealthy his way. She was a queen of beauty. Today, women give up their beauty to the stress of living a very stressful life, just to have what they thought would bring them joy, fulfillment, and happiness. 50% is an unacceptable number of broken marriage peeps, especially when you think of the residual damage it causes. Now I can see why God hates divorce. It is more destructive than war itself, and its negative effects can last for generations. No one knows exactly when the concept of wedding vows for human peeps first developed particularly in relationship to Christian marriages. However, the modern Christian concept of marriage vows used in the Western world, even today, come from a book commissioned by James I in 1662, titled The Angelican Book of Common Prayer. The book included a solemnization of matrimony, ceremony, which is still used today in millions of weddings, including with some alterations to the text, non-Christian marriages. The ceremony from the Angelican Book of Common Prayer includes the famous lines, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today, as well as the lines about the couple having each other in sickness and health until death do them part. Boss man, wearing both crowns, it is equally as awkward to try and watch someone walk down the royal path wearing two crowns, as it is to actually watch them to try and accomplish what each crown represents. 
So we know from precedents and cartoons that the queen has a crown, and a king has one as well. His is usually bigger, which could be because his head is bigger. <laughs> or because it represents the fact that he has more authority than the queen. We have learned from all of life experiences that someone has to have the final say. Be it in business, corporations, military, church, schools, sports, music, Hollywood, homes, the buck has to stop somewhere. I want to present a story from the Old Testament that reflects the cost of one bad decision in a royal setting. Its connection to today is that we are defined as believers today and described in royal language according to Peter. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our example lies in the book Esther. And beginning in chapter 1, we see a woman who had everything. And then due to one bad decision, which was a rebellious response to her kingly husband, which translated into today's language may have sounded like, you're not the boss of me, costed her everything. Perhaps she wasn't a believer, so didn't feel like she should have to honor, respect, and obey her husband, although it was customary for queens to do so anyways especially in a crowd of royalty. Esther 1, 1, There is a lot in the chapter that reflects the heart of this message. Obeying, honoring, listening, respecting. When these are not in place in a marriage, surely the devil will entice the weakened man or woman. If he or she falls, whose fault will it be? His? Yes, absolutely. But did the woman play a role? Yes, of course. In fact, she had all of the power in the situation because in this example, her station of life was based on her beauty, something she was born with. Oh, the power of beauty, but oh, the woe of it when it fades, only to reveal that the time and season of beauty wasn't used to draw the man into her heart and to see and experience a surpassing beauty, which in aging only strengthens in use. Now we know the condition of our hearts, but so it shouldn't be an excuse for failure in a relationship. Now I'm not talking about a woman manipulating a man, her man, by the use of her beauty. Nope, I am not talking about beauty as something that is just on the surface. Today some relationships break up because at some point in time, in the relationship, when the both of you should have been focused on gaining the heart of Christ, you squandered the youth of your relationship on your own pleasures. When this is the focus of the relationship, it usually is only a matter of time before you tire of each other. This lifestyle is a living widowmaker. The death of a marriage, whereby you were both called to run for God in purpose and in calling, but decided to rely on the things of time, and that exist in time. You don't know that time corrodes all things, but the things that belong to God. It is a guarantee that if the wife wants to rule the home, over and above her husband's position and authority, it stands to reason that she will, one day, as she wears his hard-fought crown, she will believe she can wear both crowns more effectively than just her own. She will fumble through life in an angry fit of rage, wondering why he was so evil and how she could have ever seen anything in him that would have led to their marriage. Listen, I'm trying to be real. Don't dance around the characters of truth. I have seen this happen repeatedly 
and have heard some of these very words. No one person was designed to wear both crowns. Oh, I know, we hear it all the time. I am the parents, the mother and the father. Nope, you cannot possibly be both. I know this may sound harsh, but please hear my heart. You were designed to be a suitable helper, but in obedience to a husband, regardless of this condition. Today it sounds like this. I wear many hats. This is why I say, if at all possible, and all things are possible, you inquire of the Lord as to who will be your lifelong soulmate before you end up marrying regret and her brother disappointment. Without his input, that is the only one that can see a man's heart, God, and knows what lies ahead for you. If you marry such a one, you are in for the right of your life. Well, and maybe your kids' lives as well. And all of the people who will be exposed to your pain for acting alone in the decision. The reality TV shows do not help a person in this matter, nor should they be your guide. We know that TV disciples more Christians today than the church. This is why I'm so passionate about equipping the saints for the work of ministry and making disciples at last. Now all the marriage train wrecks due to our own pride and rebellious behavior. Unrealistic expectations, and they are all unrealistic. Imagine you on him and him on her, striving for perfection instead of excellence. Listen, when I first got married, I immediately heard of the seven-year curse. And when we survived it, then I heard of the 13-year curse. And we barely survived it. And after going to church, after becoming born again, I heard of the generational curse. Now only one of these three is true. The seven and 13 years is an abuse of statistics. The root lies in the generational curses. And your own curses due to sin that reside in your life. We broke the generational curses over our marriage, and 37 years later, I'm writing this message. Well, that's it for today. I hope and pray that your marriage is strengthened by this message, whether it started off on the right or left foot. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the work of the enemy and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.